0: Hello, chefs, you're listening to Chef's PSA podcast. I'm your host, Andre Natara. On today's episode, we're gonna talk about chefs and marketing, so stay tuned. <music> So let's start out with a brief update of what I've been up to this past week. I've been super busy working behind the scenes on some exciting projects. Um, hope, hopefully they come to fruition. I don't know. You know, sometimes you start working on something and then it goes nowhere. Um, but I am excited about these. I'll talk about it more as things develop. Um, but anyway, I released a couple of new merch items. So you may have seen it. One is a t-shirt that says Happy Chef. And it's a chef that's uh, smiling like a chef smiles. But anyway, you could go find that on, on chefspsa.com. I also, released another one that says "Embrace the grind." And funny story: when I was designing that shirt, so uh, there's a rooster on it. It's like "Wake up, embrace the grind, like hustle, get after it." But initially, there wasn't a rooster on that shirt. It was a meat grinder, and I was putting someone's hand in it. It said, "Embrace the grind." And I thought, uh, I don't know. I don't know if anyone will find this funny, but me. So anyway, I changed it. <laughs> now it's a rooster. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll go back to the other one, and then uh, another one that says, uh, "Another T-shirt." It's green and it has a yellow letter, and it says, "Sucker-free kitchens." Um, and the reason I made that shirt is, if you know me, you know I'm a big hip hop fan. And so they're, you know, like uh, if you know me in real life, when I talk when I talk shit with my friends, it's, uh, I don't like that. That's sucker shit. So. I always say "sucker shit." That's that's kind of my uh, jargon, my vernacular. Anyway, that's why those are the new shirts. So go get them. So besides designing shirts, I was had a lot of meetings behind the scenes. But anyway, it's neither here nor there. Um, on today's episode, I want to talk about marketing and marketing yourself as a chef. And do you need a you know a PR firm or a marketing firm that you work with? And the short answer is, if you want to be taken serious. And you want to see what your true potential is as a chef. Absolutely. You should probably work with a marketing firm or you need to learn how to market yourself. And I'll give you several examples throughout this podcast. But first, I'm going to tell you two stories that are related to uh, marketing. And I had a wait. So last week, we talked about Charlie Trotter. So it kind of ties into this week. And I should have shared this in last episode. I had a friend that was good friends with Charlie Trotter and he was from Chicago and they knew each other and they were friends. One time I was in a car ride and I was a young cook at the time. So I was maybe, I don't know, 22 or something like that. And, uh, I'm driving with my friend and he says something about Charlie Trotter. I said, Oh, what? You you know, Charlie Trotter. He's like, yeah, it was no big deal to him. He was older. He was an older chef. He says, yeah, I know Charlie Trotter. It's not a big deal to him. It wasn't a big deal. And I said, what's it like? And he's like, well, you know, he's just a regular guy. He's a good chef, you know, but I don't know. I don't work for him. I'm just his friend. I asked him the question. Like I kept, I kept like pestering him with questions about Charlie Trotter. Cause I was, you know, such a, such a big you know, fan of his. And he said something to me that I'll never forget. He says, you know what the biggest difference between Charlie Trotter and all the other good chefs out there. And I said, what's that? And he said, marketing. He said, there's a lot of chefs out there that are good. He says, but Charlie Trotter is a better marketer. Now, I don't know if I fully agree with that because to me, Charlie Trotter was a legend when it came to what he did with his restaurant. But I understand what he was trying to say. He was talking about the fact that he had all the books, the fact that, you know, he played up this character of the angry chef. Um, There was a lot of marketing in what Charlie Trotter did. And you can see it in the documentary if you go back and watch it. You'll you'll pick up little things that he did to market himself. Um, the second story that I had is I had a friend that uh, used to run a hotel. And in that hotel, Gordon Ramsay had a restaurant. And I won't say which hotel um, and I won't say which restaurant. Just out of protection for my friend. I, I never liked I never like to share people's names or specific places if I don't have the permission of my friend to share it. So um, anyway, long story short, my friend is running a hotel where Gordon Ramsay has a restaurant. And I also, same thing, I was this was years ago, so I was maybe 2008. So this is like Gordon Ramsay at peak Gordon Ramsay. And I asked the question, I said, what's it like and all this then? The other, how's the food, blah, blah, blah. And he said, it's no different quality-wise than what you're serving here. He said... You know, you could go to this restaurant and get a ton of PR and press. Uh, It wouldn't matter who the chef was. Um, And I took it to mean like, wow, my food is on par with Gordon Ramsay. But that's not what he was saying. What he was saying is that that restaurant, because of the location, because of the PR, um, because of the prestige of it, it didn't matter who the chef was. You were going to get recognition. That's something to think about is that Sometimes it's not about the food. Sometimes it's a little bit about the marketing of the chef and the connections that they have. The more time that I I spent as a young cook, I really pushed myself to really be the best chef that I could. And in about um, 2010, I took over the chef position at the Fairmont in Dallas, and they have a restaurant there called The Pyramid. Now, Back in the day, the Pyramid was one of the greatest restaurants in Dallas. So really two restaurants or three restaurants were the iconic restaurants in Dallas. One of them was the Mansion on Turtle Creek. Um, The second one was the French Room inside the Adolphus Hotel. And the third one was the Pyramid, or as it was known to a lot of people, the Pyramid Room inside the Fairmont Hotel. And when I took over this job, this was my first time actually working with a true PR team. They made a press release that I was the new chef and you know I remember talking to them and uh, them having to coach me like, don't say anything bad, don't say anything stupid, You know, magazines are going to call you um, and I wasn't used to that. I, I had to get coached on what to say, what not to say, how to behave, how to engage with people, how to be prepared for food critics and this, that and the other and I talk about that a little bit more in depth in uh, the food critic episode um, early on in the podcast series. So anyway, long story short, um, when I started working with a PR firm... I noticed like, holy shit, you get a ton of press. Once you're working with someone that they specialize in PR, the amount of press that you get is it's like sipping from a fire hose. If you had never worked in a place in this case, myself, I had never worked in a place where I had a PR person behind me to all of a sudden going strictly into a place where there was a PR person behind me. It was like several times a month. I was in the newspaper or being interviewed or in a magazine or something. Right. And I was like, holy shit, this is a new world for me. And I had to learn how to behave. Um, That led me to taking on the next job, a a better job, more money, bigger role, uh, being a, being a chef partner in a restaurant group. And it was more PR and it was more press. And I started to work with a PR firm and I started to get a lot of press and they had me doing something. I mean, I felt like I was doing something like every week and to the point where it was overwhelming. I remember sometimes I would forget like, Oh, you got to be on TV uh, tomorrow. And I'd be like, Oh shit, I got to be on TV tomorrow you know, for local news or whatever. And, you know, I was constantly driving around and it was, it was, little, it was a little bit of a headache um, because I couldn't keep up with the amount of press and there was so much coming at me, uh, whether it was, you know, a TV appearance or a local magazine or whatever the case may be. You know, when, when you're hot and you're working with a PR firm, you're hot. I didn't really understand that. Um, and there was a couple of traps that I would advise people to be aware of. Is number one, when you're working with a PR firm, you're going to get a ton of press, right? They are connected the reason you want to work with a PR firm is the fact that they are connected. They're going to be able to pick up the phone and speak to someone at food and wine magazine, or speak to someone that can get you nominated for a specific award or the, the local television studio, or get you on a podcast for that matter, right? They're, they know people, it's their job to pitch the chefs that they're working with or the restaurant that they're working with. So, um, most of your top, chefs, I could tell you, um, they work with PR firms because they need it, right? So it's, it's the boost that they need. There's a lot of talented chefs out there that don't have PR firms. And unfortunately, you might never know their name. And they're just as talented as people um, and other chefs that do have a PR firm behind them. So there's a big difference I could tell you from experience when you have a PR team behind you and when you don't. Uh, but it is interesting to see the amount of doors that will open for you when you do have a PR team behind you. So keep that in mind. Now, when it comes to uh, the amount of press that you're getting, it's a slippery slope because you could start to believe the shit that's written about you, good and bad. And I know I've talked about this before, but sometimes they'll write about you and they'll say, oh, you know, you're great or you have the best food, this, that, and the other. Understand that it's flavor of the moment and you're having your time to shine. Capitalize on it, double down, double down, and keep going forward with your forward momentum of success. But understand that it might not be true, right? It might be bullshit. There might be chefs out there better than you in your community that are making better food than you. They just don't have a PR team behind them that's helping give you the boost that you need. So keep that in mind and and don't believe everything. Don't believe the bullshit sometimes because um, it's a double-edged sword because as soon as it, it gets turned on you, it's great when everyone's writing positive about you but it, it's a really serious blow to your ego when that narrative turns and they're no longer writing positive things about you. So keep that in mind. Understand that uh, the media, publications, um, social media, this is all shaping the way people eat and dine and it's the trendsetter. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you a thought experiment. Um, and I like to use a lot of stories and parables, but a lot of people will start making food and you'll see food trends go a certain direction so let's just say for a while it was uh, molecular gastronomy and everyone was doing the bubble food and then maybe it was foraging and fermentation and it started going that way and then maybe it was you know fill in the blank right so food trends go a certain way and you wonder like where does this idea come from well I'll tell you the story um, that was told to me a long time ago, and it it involves, it's not a real story. It's just about a hypnotist. So there's two people walking, a hypnotist and the skeptic, and they're walking through the desert and they see someone riding a horse. And the person that's a skeptic tells the hypnotist, and they said, how good are you? And he says, I'm I'm the best hypnotist in the world. He said, can you make that person, uh, can you hypnotize them? And he said, I could hypnotize them. I'm so good. I could hypnotize them from here. And he says, okay, prove it. And he says, make them get off the horse. So the guy says, okay, done. And the, the person that was you know, further down on the horse stopped and they got off the horse. He says, okay, that could be a coincidence. Uh, make them pick up a rock and throw it. So the guy says, okay, done. And the guy went and he grabbed a rock and he threw it. He says, okay, that could be a coincidence also. just to prove how good you are, make him go pick up the rock. And the guy says, okay. So then the, the, the guy walked over and he picked up the rock and he says, okay, let's go speak to that guy because I, I don't believe that you hypnotized him. So they walk over to the other guy and they say, can you tell me why did you get off the horse? And the guy says, I thought I saw a snake. And he's like, okay. He says, well, then why'd you pick up a rock? He's like, well, I picked up a rock because I wanted to throw it at the snake. He's like, okay, well then why'd you go, why'd you go pick up the rock after you threw it? and he says well the rock felt a little bit heavy so i thought maybe it was gold so i went to go look at it now what's the moral of that story if if you're confused someone was hypnotizing them and the person that was hypnotized thought they were making their own decisions and they were coming to their own conclusions and th- this is this is the way the world works most of the ideas people have are not original ideas they've come from somewhere so maybe someone else got them maybe you learned them from school maybe you learned them from another chef maybe you learned them from your parents whatever the case may be but most of the thoughts people have are not original thoughts they've come from somewhere like they were planted as a seed and then they they sprouted later and just like a lot of these food trends the same thing happens can you imagine if a restaurant critic went to some of the best restaurants in the world, pick one, right? Whether we're talking about uh, Noma or, um, you know, Ferran Adria's El -El Bulli when it was open. If a restaurant critic had gone over there and the opposite had happened and they didn't receive the praise and the critic came in and said, this is a joke. This is not what we want. This is, you know, not real cooking. And it hurt their business and they shut their doors and we never heard of them using the Ferran Adrià example there wouldn't be any molecular gastronomy now you wouldn't be working with alginates you wouldn't be you wouldn't be using hexametaphosphates none of that would exist you wouldn't be using xanthan gum it, it wouldn't it wouldn't have taken place because it would have never had an opportunity to flourish or we could talk about foraging or we could talk about whatever whatever major food trend was developed if it didn't receive the praise that it got would we have been so enamored by it. What if it wasn't foraging? What if it was? Uh, what if it was just eating a specific type of seaweed from certain oceans? Then you know, next thing you know, every single chef across the country is cooking with seaweeds from a specific type of ocean. It's it, it, that's how, that's how it works. So you got to be careful to not believe everything that is being written about you. But it, do enjoy the moment. I had a, a sous chef um, that came to me one day and said, Hey, you were in the newspaper or magazine or whatever, and you didn't tell us. I said, Oh yeah, I forgot about it. And, uh, she said to me, well, why didn't you tell us? I said, I don't know. It wasn't a big deal. And again, like at this time, I, you know, I felt like I was in something every, every other day. Um, and she said to me, well, if you don't care, how do you expect us to care? Like we're proud to work here. So you need to share it. And the light bulb went off. I was like, you're right. Um, so don't get your ego too puffed up. And we're all, we're all susceptible to it, right? Each of us can say, no, I'm humble um, and I won't do that. But you really don't know what you're going to do until you're in the position, right? When success comes, I could tell you that a lot of things change around you. You know, I've experienced success on multiple occasions. And the amount of people that want to be around you it's, uh, you know, they, they want a little bit of your shine. They're like, you know, um, I'd say uh, every everyone everyone loves you when you're on top, right? Everyone shows up. You got more friends. Your jokes are a little bit funnier. Um, and then the second that you're not, everything changes, right? You're not as funny. You were never good. You know, the, the narrative changes. So be careful with achieving that success when you do get... Um, A little bit of a little bit of success due to a marketing team. So understand they are doing their job. You can go much further with a marketing team than uh, without one. Now, I do want to spin off onto a little tangent. Um, I do think you should have a marketing team behind you if you want to maximize your full potential of success. If that's what you want, then you need a marketing team behind you. But today's world is a little bit different. And I think through social media, um, it has changed dramatically. There's things that I know through self-marketing that I wouldn't have been able to achieve with a marketing team. With social media, sometimes if you're good, if you're good in front of the camera or uh your food is very beautiful, or you you, you know, you're creative um, on Instagram or TikTok or any of these other platforms, you could grow your own presence. Online, sometimes much quicker than you could um, through traditional media. And you know, how much time do you spend on Eater's website or Bon Appetit or Food and Wine, and how much time do you spend on Instagram, right, or TikTok or YouTube or Twitter? So those social media platforms seem to keep people's attention on the platform versus um, you know where it used to be on you know in the magazine or on TV. So. If you're good at understanding social media, I I do think it is a game changer now. It's a great equalizer in the platforms. But eventually, uh, and I'm sure there's already PR teams out there that do know how to do this well, is they are going to be able to not only leverage the traditional media, but they'll also learn how to leverage social media as well. So keep that in mind. I, I do think that you need a presence online. Um, if if you're a chef and you're trying to grow your online portfolio, people need to be go to your Instagram page and see the food that you're making and learn a little bit about you. It'll open more doors for you. I know when I was a chef, I would look at people's Instagram page, um, to see what their food was like, see what they were cooking, see who they were following just to make sure that, you know, it was aligned, um, maybe for the position that they were applying. You know, if I have a, a very high end restaurant, and, you know, I look at their food and it's like, okay, maybe they're not ready for this level yet. Maybe they're m- more ready for something else. It would help me place them. So understand that, put yourself out there, um, because it will help open the doors for you. But every now and again, delete some of the old stuff, um, because you don't want people to think, you know, my food's evolved. It evolves, you know, the food that I was making 15 years ago is not the food I would make today and vice versa. So as your food evolves, make sure that you're updating, uh, your social media accounts, so people could know what it is that you're up to. Anyway, long story short, long rant over. If you want to support the show, go to all social platforms, chefspsa.com, chefspsa on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, all of that. Go go get some of the merch, get the books, uh, culinary leadership fundamentals, line cook survival manual, the new book that I just came out with. And then the last one, how not to be the biggest idiot in the kitchen. I did forget to mention. Um, I'm working with a company to potentially create YouTube videos for this podcast. I'm going to beta test it next week. I'm going to see how it comes out. So hopefully, uh, if, if you're the type of person that, you know, you, you want to, you want to see my face and, uh, maybe I'll have the videos up on YouTube. I'm working towards that. I'm hoping that by the next episode, I'll have the first one that I'm able to, uh, not only have on Spotify, um, that you could listen to, but also you could watch it on Spotify and YouTube. We'll see how that goes. So give me about a week before I figure that out. Um, I'm taking you along for the ride. So hopefully it works. Anyway, thank you all. Go leave five stars on the podcast. It's a five-star podcast. We'll see you next week. Hit the porno music.